And if I am aware of the signs and can feel comfortable asking some of those questions, then I, as an outpatient orthopedic PT, would feel empowered. Hello, welcome to The Seasoned RD, a podcast connecting newer professionals in the field of eating disorders to those of us who have been around for a while. I'm your host, Beth Harrell, a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor. And I'm Abby Brown, a registered dietitian who is newer to the field. I think of myself as a well-seasoned cast iron skillet with wisdom and experience, yet always ready for something new. And I think of myself as an Instapot with innovation and a fresh perspective. This podcast brings both to the table to share ingredients, recipes, and techniques of past and present so we can all be our best for the future. The kettle is heating up. The skillet is on simmer. So join us around the table for true professional nourishment. Abby, ready to stir the pot? Let's do it. Welcome to this episode of The Seasoned RD with Dr. Michelle Logging, the first ever certified eating disorder specialist physical therapist. So what does PT have to do with eating disorders? Listen in and you'll find out. She talks about how super scary it was as a new physical therapist working with eating disorders. And like so many of us raised in the medical model, how we worry what we say or do could do harm. She talks about using touch medically and therapeutically and describes what a movement professional is and the difference between intuitive movement and dysfunctional movement. There is a common symptom in a lot of eating disorders, constipation, and if you're wondering what physical therapy has to do with it, tune in to hear a little bit of the magic that can happen. As a professional, you'll want to know what those who have a physical therapy background can do. Well, hello, Dr. Michelle. We are beyond excited to have the first ever certified eating disorder specialist, physical therapist as a guest on the podcast. And we can't wait to get to know you, how you got into the field, what you learned while you were in your training, and what you've had to learn on your own that wasn't part of your training. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So just to get our conversation flowing first, we've got a few fun icebreakers. So my first one for you, mountains or beach? Mountains. I'm in Colorado. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Okay. So that was an easy answer. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. We're connecting on that. I love mountains and I love Colorado, but I'm in Kansas city. So I don't, we have no mountains here. Not a lot of mountains. (laughs) No. Some of my interns when I was internship director were coming from Colorado and they said they don't even know because when you're in Colorado, I guess you, you talk about Oh, it's away from the mountains or towards the mountains when you're giving directions. (laughs) And in Kansas City, we don't have that. Okay. Those are our directional cues. (laughs) The mountains. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so our second one. Breakfast or dinner? Oh, breakfast all the way. (laughs) That's a common one. I think it is. I like breakfast here. Great way to start the dinner. Yeah. That's exactly what I said. And then the last one is audiobook or paper book? Paper book. I have to hold the paper book. There's something about how like a new book smells, right? I will go to like Barnes and Noble here and end up buying like five books just because I love, I just love the feel of a book. 
<laughs> it's hard not to. And then when you see all the new topics, like, oh, I, I want this and I want this and I want this. Oh, yeah. It's hard to say no. <laughs> yeah. My library is getting so full. And that's the part that brings us into the next um, segment of our questions is, you know, we're bringing together seasoned professionals in the field of eating disorders to those who are newer in the field. And so the book is all we had back then. I mean, the library system of Dewey Decimal has turned into Google search. Even with my clients, my patients in the beginning, I used to tell them, well, I know you're a walking encyclopedia for calories, fat, you know, whatever, because there, there's there were books. Right. Now we have a lot more available to us. So Michelle, what, right. how did you get into the field of eating disorders? Um, maybe even talk about the field of physical therapy in general, or did you start with that? Just tell us about yourself. Oof. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I'll kind of, I'll kind of go to the beginning. So I have a degree in landscape architecture, which is obviously not <laughs> physical therapy, <laughs> And so I actually worked as a landscape architect for about eight, nine years here in Denver, Colorado, and kind of realized throughout that career, I, I did love that career. I love being creative. I love designing, but I was just, there was something that was missing it within that career. And I think for me, it was really this kind of personal, more personal connection and uh, being able to make a difference in somebody's life. And I, I was able to do that as a landscape architect. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I wasn't, but it just wasn't filling my cup to the level that I needed. And so I explored so many different things. I became a fitness instructor, which I absolutely adored being able to, you know, move my body with other people in like a group environment but that just wasn't enough for me. And so I shadowed a physical therapist here in Colorado and that was it. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is just absolutely amazing. I, I need to know more about the human body. I want to be able to, you know, teach people how to move their bodies correctly. I want to, you know, he, I want to, I want to be a healer. I want to heal people. And so that's what brought me to the physical therapy field. So I obviously changed careers and went to physical therapy school, which was a lot of work, but a lot of really good work, <laughs> learned a lot. And then in relation to the field of eating disorders, often what I say is that I did not find the field of eating disorders. It found me and it chose me. And I still firmly believe that. So this relates back to my first job as a physical therapist. So I worked in an inpatient hospital, I worked at Denver Health. And at the time when I started, we had a floor-based model for treating our patients. So what that means is that I was assigned to floor six and seven. And those were the patients that I would see, you know, for my shift. And it just so happened that on that particular unit I was assigned, we had a budding unit. It was our eating disorder unit, which is now known as the Acute Center for Eating Disorders at Denver Health. It was a two-bed unit at the time when I started at Denver Health. I believe that is correct. Um, and so we ended up getting consults on these patients. And I had a great mentor that was kind of fielding these within our uh, physical therapy world there, 
that was fielding these. And she asked me, say, Hey, Michelle, you know, this is the, this is the floor that you're on. I'd really like you to take these patients so that they're all not on my caseload. And I remember, I remember like feeling this sense of panic, like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I, okay. Okay. I, I want to be able to do this, but number one, I didn't learn about this in school. So I might be jumping ahead. <laughs> to one oh, of this the is other great. Questions. You're doing great. Um, but it didn't, we didn't really talk about this in school. And I'm really afraid that I'm going to say something that is going to be wrong. And I'm really afraid that I'm going to do something to hurt this individual. And that was really, as a new therapist, super, super scary for me. But I was brave. And I went in with this amazing colleague of mine to see a patient. And it was literally like like all of these doors opened when I went in to see this patient because I saw this individual laying in the bed, not able to really do much movement at all. And I saw so much opportunity and all of those fears that I had just went to the side. I was like, oh my gosh, I can help you. I can help you. This is amazing. And what an, like what an empowering moment for me So that kind of began my exploration in regard to how does physical therapy, how how does physical therapy have a seat at the table with the treatment team for individuals with eating disorders? So the acute center continued to grow and I was still a therapist at Denver Health for several years. And at Denver Health, I was able to really explore so many different roles as a physical therapist in the inpatient world. So I worked with patients that were in the ICU. I worked with patients after total joint surgeries, after traumatic incidents and accidents. I worked on their acute rehabilitation floor. So that was where we would do three hours of therapy with patients. So working with traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, and then kind of my the typical inpatient kind of work in terms of like medical surgical floors. So quite a sampling in regard to what I was seeing at Denver Health. But this acute center was always kind of there within my caseload for a majority of the time that I was at Denver Health. And acute continued to grow and continued to grow. And I was afforded the wonderful opportunity to really explore how to build what I called at the time a physical therapy mobility program for these patients. Because at the time, very well-intentioned, we as a team didn't have our patients, we didn't want our patients to participate in much movement. So our patients were put on relative bed rest. And I kind of, I say relative because They would get up and go to the bathroom, but they really weren't allowed to do much else. And what we found is that when we wanted to discharge our patients to the next level of care, they functionally weren't able to do that. They weren't able to walk the distance that they needed to be able to participate in like an inpatient residential setting. They weren't able to do, you know, any stairs if that was something that was required, depending on where the next level of care was. And there, and the big thing that that I found is that there was this message that that was left out. Like, how do we incorporate movement and exercise? And I use those words interchangeably. But how do we incorporate that within our treatment? And how do we do it at the initial step? 
So how do we build those conversations? And so that was really, you know, what I continue to explore at Denver Health. And then in, believe it was 2016, Acute ended up, I don't think they had moved to their kind of more standalone facility. They're still on the Denver Health campus, but we were expanding, expanding. We were at, I think at that point in time, 20 plus beds, something like that. And there was this need for a physical therapist that was that was solely designated for that unit because there was just so much of a need. And I was able to I was able to transition and do that on the acute unit and continue to build their program. Uh, they are now a 30 bed unit, I believe. Yeah. So they're uh, continuing to I mean, grow. I call it the ICU for eating disorders. I, it, it truly is yeah. the place to go when you're very, very ill. Yeah. And how awesome that you really had a hand in them getting there. I mean, that was, that was a big, a big part of that was coming from you. And so I wanted to, to highlight a quote that you said, I, as I was exploring your Instagram page, I, uh, you said this and I made sure to write it down because I really, Oh, good. (laughs) And first of all, for those listening, Michelle has a great Instagram, lots of really awesome body positive quotes on there. Really good info. But here's, here's the quote that you said. Dysfunctional exercise is often the first presenting symptom of an eating disorder and the last remaining symptom. And you said just now that, we have to have physical therapists. They have to have a seat at the table. And we know that working with eating disorders, it's more than just one professional that needs to be involved. They need to be helped in all areas. And unfortunately, I don't think physical therapists are used enough. And so we're so happy that you can share, you know, how you do that, how you are a part of the team. If you could dive in a little bit more about what do you actually do with these eating disorder clients? Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So my focus has changed over the last couple of years because I I no longer work at the acute center for eating disorders. And that stemmed from the fact that kind of what you were saying, Abby, in terms of, I felt like I was starting this message, this really great message with my patients that I was working with in regard to how do we integrate movement and exercise? How do we number one, make sure you're functional and safe. And then how do we how do we start to bring back exercise or modulate the exercise if there is a dysfunctional exercise piece within your treatment as you continue on in care so that's why i began my practice movement is medicine as an outpatient practice to really explore that and i've learned so much in the last two years and i continue to learn which is absolutely amazing and it really depends on what the the patient, the client, I use those those terms interchangeably as well, what they're coming to me for. So the benefit of being in the outpatient world for me now is that now I see more of an eating disorder spectrum. And what I mean by that is that when I was at the Acute Center for Eating Disorders, I was seeing those individuals that were more severely malnourished from their eating disorders. So I wasn't seeing the binge eating disorder clients or clients that were in larger bodies. And those are the clients that when I work with them now, it's really, it's really working on having them access movement in a safe way, feeling that they have permission to move their body and really kind of challenging 
kind of the weight stigma, the weight stigma that they may have, but also challenging, you know, that, that, that thin ideal, that so the social media thin ideal that we see, really kind of talking about that. But then there are individuals where, you know, there's more of this kind of an alternative dysfunctional exercise piece in terms of individuals that will exercise more often throughout the day. So we're trying to modulate that. So really the, it, the movement piece, we can talk about that dysfunctional exercise. And I really have had a lot of a lot of help from some other professionals that are more movement professionals that are working within this eating disorder field and really starting to talk about intuitive movement principles. Like, should you move your body today? Like there's a voice that's telling you that you should, right? But let's ask these questions and see, hey, should, should I move? Should I really move my body? Or am I more inclined to rest? And am I allowed to do that? So kind of processing through that. Mm-hmm. But then there are individuals that will that I will get a referral for that maybe have you know some sort of movement dysfunction. So it might be like a back pain issue, it might be an ankle injury, a hip injury, and those sorts of things. So there's a different overlay on top of that. So we have this perhaps dysfunctional exercise piece, but then we then we have dysfunctional movement patterns that are not serving that individual. So then there's there's really where kind of what I would call the bread and butter of what a physical therapist does in terms of corrective exercises, a lot of education about the body. I do a lot with, I do work with within pelvic health as well. I have a pelvic floor model that I love to pull out and say, hey, look, these are, these are, this is what your body looks like when we take the skin and that off. And here are your pelvic bones and here are your muscles. And did you know that this is what your, this is your body? And I do that not just with the pelvis, but also with, you know, back muscles or those sorts of things. I like to use images and pictures and kind of describe how the body works because I feel that sometimes we kind of take for granted that this is a machine and it's going to do what we want it to do. But if we really kind of start to break it down and understand, you know, maybe more more on a cellular level, that can be very empowering for individuals. I had a great conversation last night with one of the gals that works on this safe exercise at every stage. And she was kind of talking about how she integrates with clients. And she gave me so many good ideas that my head is like swimming in terms of, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. And that's why I kind of say like, I'm constantly learning, constantly kind of figuring out where this, where this path is going. But really, you know, in terms of like moving with patients, like a a big thing that I want to do is if they, if they're going to participate in exercise and movement, which most of the time, I I think, I think that's okay to say that most of the time they are, I want them to do it in a safe way. So I want to make sure, yeah, that they're, the, I, I mean, I have so many questions for you, Michelle. Yeah, bring it um, on. <laughs> there, there's a couple of things I took notes on. So you mentioned accessing movement in a safe way in their body and also corrective exercises. And then how is the pelvic floor, how, what does that have to do with any of this? Oh, so many good questions. I'm going to answer the pelvic floor one first. Okay. So that was an interest and a curiosity that I had when I was at the acute center for eating disorders, I would read through 
my patient's history. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I would, I would see that one of the issues was pelvic floor dysfunction. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I don't really know a lot about that. Cause that's, again, that's not something that we learn specifically about in physical therapy school. We touch upon it, but that's definitely more of a continuing education piece if, if we're interested in that. So it was always this like interest, like, okay, well, you know, I really feel like that could be something that I may need to learn more about. And I did, and, and I did as an outpatient practitioner. Now I didn't really do the continuing education while I was at acute. And I really wish that I had because my language is different in how I will talk about breathing and managing the pressure system. I, I have a whole script in regard to how I talk about core stabilization and how I talk about abdominal muscles functioning. It's not just abdominals and a six pack necessarily. I talk about the layers again, that empowerment through understanding how the body is structured. I talk about it like, like a canister essentially, but then how potentially pelvic floor dysfunction could be contributing to other issues like back pain, hip pain. There's a big correlation between those two. Having that education on the pelvic health piece of things just kind of adds more pieces to the puzzle, so to speak, mm -hmm. so that I can put that, begin to put that puzzle together so that perhaps if it's a back issue, maybe I actually need to talk more about the pelvic floor and I need to understand more about that or vice versa. If, you know, a patient is coming in, you know, maybe, maybe having pelvic floor related issues, maybe I can start to screen the back of the hip as well. So really seeing the whole body and not just, you know, the hip or the mm -hmm. back and that sort of thing. So it really is added. So I want to ask because so many of our folks who have restrictive eating disorders have constipation. Is there a connection between pelvic floor dysfunction and constipation too, or anything that you can do to help them? Definitely. Again, working on tactics in terms of how to relax the body. I can't make a broad generalization. However, what I can say is that perhaps individuals that have constipation might have higher tone in their pelvic floor muscles and what that means is that it might be harder to relax those muscles to allow for a bowel movement or even urination, sexual function, all sorts of things. So working on ways of relaxing, and a lot of that is tied to breath work, ways of relaxing, using equipment that might help. So for instance, I recommend quite often the squatty potty for individuals. It just gets the body in a more appropriate alignment to allow for our sphincters to relax. But also, again, tying that breath work in, soft tissue work. So with my hands, doing some abdominal wall massage, you, we can do a specific type of massage that really just kind of goes right along the, the colon, so to speak, in terms of kind of allowing, allowing feces or gas to kind of move to pass through the system. And that's something that I'll teach my clients as well. And I think that is a pretty cool piece in terms of the patient allowing me to place my hands on them, but then 
hopefully providing a safe space. And I say safe space, but that's not for me to say if it's safe, that's for my client to say, but really allowing them that opportunity to place their hands on their body to start to feel what is happening. And that can be, that can be very powerful. It can, it can bring up tears because perhaps, you know, depending on, depending on what the, what the client is working through, perhaps their, their abdomen is something that they don't want to touch. Bringing that back to them as a part of their body and being connected to it, I think is so incredibly powerful and a blessing that I can be with them to do that. So Michelle, this is just reminding me that all of us, whether we're a dietitian, physical therapist, emotional counselor, therapist, medical doctor, going back to something you said earlier, I'm really afraid when you were first starting, I'm going to say something wrong or do something to hurt them. So when you were talking about touching their abdomen and for dietitians, we do something called uh, physical focus. What is it called, Abby? And <laughs> yeah, our NFPE nutrition, nutrition focus, focus physical, physical exam. exam. And for those with Ooh. eating disorders, we have to then understand that touch can be interpreted in all sorts of ways. And you also had said, you know, movement in a way that's safe to the right. How do you help them feel safe when you're going to touch them? Those are things that are emotional that we want. You know, it's not just going in and doing, you know, surgery on someone when they're out and and right. That's such a great question. I I love that you asked that. I will answer it in just a second, but I I sure. want to talk about the power of human touch and that I feel that working into that with our clients can be really really powerful for them in terms of of reconnecting with their body. So that could be my touch or someone else's touch or their own touch on their body. But really it's a lot of asking for consent and it's a lot of explaining the technique. And it's a lot of me, if I'm going to do like abdominal wall massage, I will lift my shirt up and I will, I will expose my abdomen and say, sh- and say, this is the area that I would like to place my hands if that's comfortable for you. And I would like to use, you know, I have some like massage cream, you know, I'd like to use a little massage cream because it makes it a little bit easier for my hands to kind of glide on your skin if that's okay for you. But then I also say, if at any time this feels uncomfortable, please let me know and we can stop. And so, and I'll do a lot of draping with my patients in terms of I'll take a towel and I'll, I'll place it kind of over their shirt and maybe over their pants and give them, you know, something to, something to maybe help them feel a little bit more comfortable, not quite like a weighted blanket, but something that, you know, kind of makes them feel cozy, so to speak. And then once the touch begins, there's a lot of, uh, if the patient is in a position where I can actually have eye contact, I will, I will have a lot of eye contact and ask them, how are you doing? Does this feel okay? Do you need me to stop? Yeah. yeah. How does my pressure feel? And sometimes, you know, I, I have had one client that it was such a powerful moment. She said, I don't like this area of my body and I don't like to touch it. And this is, this is really, this is really new to me, but I feel really safe. And this feels really good. 
And and she was crying. I believe it. I am uh, about ready to right now. And I was too. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so powerful to to be able to be in that moment with her. And it provided her with so much relief. She came back to see me the other day and she's like, Michelle, I don't know what you did, but do it again. And I'm, oh my gosh, yes. Oh, this is, yeah. And you're, you're are going to be training newer physical therapists to the field. And I'm so excited for what you're going to be able to share with them because as the, the previous certification director with IADEP, we had physical therapists reaching out, strength and conditioning coaches reaching out. We want to become certified. We know we have this specialty. We know we're seeing these patients. We don't know how to do it well. And so what you started out with was, you know, I, I, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm continuing to learn all the time. That's what this podcast is about is helping people who are more seasoned to connect with people who are wanting and Mm -hmm. wanting to learn all this. Like, I can't wait for you to be able to train up this next generation. Your your work is you're a pioneer in the field Thank of you. eating disorders. <laughs> and the fact that you continue to learn and you just learned some things last night and you can't wait. And this is <laughs> this is exactly how I am. I just am I can't I can't wait to learn and then I can't wait to share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so Michelle, what, what was it exactly that, I mean, obviously you started working on this floor with eating disorder patients. Uh, what made you want to go out of your way and become certified? Cause it's not an easy thing to do, but it is so powerful. <laughs> so what was your motivator? Right. I think, I think for me is that kind of like what Beth was saying, I, I get, uh, I love this too. Students will connect with me that are either, you know, in physical therapy programs or are wanting to go to physical therapy programs. And they're like, Hey, like I found, I found you and I really love what you do. You're doing something that's very unique. And this is kind of the path I think I want to go within my career. And how do I do that? And so that really, really excites me. So I think, I think for me, I feel kind of this call to push forth the field of physical therapy so that that so that my tribe, so to speak, <laughs> will be recognized and will feel that we have again. I, I I phrase it this way: a seat at the table in regard to the treatment team. Because I know for a while I was I was really kind of unsure. Like I don't know. Is like is this something I should do? Like is this with my it within my scope of practice? And I would like. <laughs> I think when I first started, I would revisit my scope of practice and I'm like, wow, yeah, I I have a pretty like pretty wide scope of practice. And I do feel like I can, you know, push forth the field of physical therapy. So I think really it's driven by, it's driven by the interest of other physical therapists. And one of the things that I do every year that it always makes me super nervous about because I don't always like presenting, but always fills my cup in the end is that I have the opportunity to present to the physical therapy students at the University of Colorado Anschutz campus. So that's where I graduated from. And I do a lecture specifically on physical therapy and eating disorders. So yes, yeah, so this yes. is not something that I got in school. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I was like, okay, we need to change this. 
And again, this was something that my fabulous mentor, when I first started at Denver Health, she was doing this lecture. And then it kind of went to the wayside for a bit. And then I felt brave enough and reached out to the, the professor for the particular class and said, hey, do you think the students would be interested in this? I mean, if not, it's fine. But mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we've been doing it. I think this was my sixth year doing this lecture. Wow. And the really cool thing about it is the response I get from the students afterward in terms of reaching out like, wow, this is really cool. I didn't know that this is maybe something that I could do as a physical therapist. Can we chat more? So there is, there is a definite interest within the field of physical therapy. And I love generating that in like the newer physical therapists. One of my goals is to be able to provide that sort of lecture to other physical therapy schools Mm -hmm. so that students have exposure to this. They may not want to work solely in eating disorders, which is fine, but it's the awareness piece. I want to build that awareness and kind of in, in addition to that, maybe kind of in tandem, is over the past couple of years, I've reached out to other professionals, not only physical therapists, but other professionals that are working in more of like the movement exercise piece and really wanting to connect those professionals in regard to, okay, how do we do this? Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you do it? And then how does that relate to how I do it? And maybe I should change and, and that sort of thing. So we have, we've built, and this isn't only me, we've built this Facebook page, like a Facebook group, where we have exercise physiologists in Australia, a strength and conditioning coach there in St. Louis, so Amanda Tierney, of course, and then some physical therapists that are in the UK that have been doing this for a while, So it's like, okay, I need to come visit the UK and understand. (laughs) Take me with you. (laughs) Right, right. Like how we're doing this. And so I I just think that connection is so powerful because I don't have all the answers. And and like I've said, I continue to learn and I make mistakes and I continue to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, But kind of bridging that and bringing these other professionals together um, and making more of a robust kind of, uh, I don't know, like team to like connect with and ask questions is so amazing. Yeah. And here's the thing. I will say this forever. It, it doesn't matter if you're going for certification. It What you're doing, Michelle, is helping to plant the seed for people and ultimately helps our patients and our clients. Mm-hmm. And, and if they don't know what they don't know, because no matter what discipline we're talking to here, we're not given the tools that we need to understand even the field of eating disorders. It can be a very scary place to go to. It can mm-hmm. be a, well, just like you learned, but what you're doing is planting the seeds. And my hope is by having you on this podcast, because this is for all professionals of all levels, students, interns, but newer to the field and very seasoned is for us to know what we don't know. And you're telling us these things right now. And I want everyone to know it wasn't that long ago that dietitians were trying to find their seat at the table. 
with eating wow. disorders. <laughs> so, and, and I have all the history of that and some of our guests are, will be sharing some of that. But one thing that you said, Fantastic. I'm wondering if you would be willing to share and be vulnerable for a second is you said that there were mistakes or things that you've learned. Uh-huh. Um, are you willing to share any of that for anyone listening so that they know how to move forward? Yeah. I don't know if I have any like concrete examples, but I will go back to what I said earlier in regard to when I was confronted with that initial experience uh, at Denver Health and I'm going to go into this room and I'm going to see this patient and I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I think that I've said the wrong thing, you know, and, you know, maybe I'm trying to think of what I've, what maybe I've said that doesn't land well. May it could be something like, oh, we did, um, we did a little workout, you know. And if I, if I say little, then I'm minimizing it. Oh. If I presented it to, my, if I presented it to my client as, you know, does this count as exercise? And they say no, and then I say, oh, we did a little workout. Then I'm validating their no. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, so again, constantly learning, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, but through that, you know, and. And then, you know, being accountable about it too. Like, okay, why did, now what did I, why did I say that? Mm -hmm. And is that, is that my, is that my bias coming out? And really, really kind of checking that myself and, and, and really making sure that, you know, that I'm, that I'm intentional about how I present things and then how I say things. Mm, That is, Um, yeah, such a good example, Michelle. And I, my mind is going into hundreds of different (laughs) ways that I have phrased things that I've had to understand how the client hears it or the patient hears it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, workout is one, and I've heard you gently use the term movement during this interview and just understanding where that comes from as a physical therapist, as a dietitian, as a medical person, the word healthy, what does that mean to people? And I'm saying these in quotes, healthy dieting, healthy eating, what's, what's right and what's wrong. And a workout can be, mean so many things in our patient's view. Right. Mm, Right. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So in terms of like mistakes and that, I think that, I think that the mistakes aren't and I don't mean to like belittle them necessarily, but I think that the mistakes are well-intentioned, right? but it's kind of like, oh, you know, I should phrase that differently mm-hmm. so that it's presented in a better, better way for the patient and the client. So I don't think that it's, it's been harmful necessarily. Yeah. Um, that's not, that's not feedback that I've necessarily gotten, but you know, that's how I feel like that's how we learn. Like I have to, I have to kind of flub up a little bit so that I don't. So that I don't. <laughs> yeah. And we can ask and that this goes into culture and race and gender. You know, those are the things that we, we across from our client will say how, or even use the use of the word fat. Those are things that different people are embracing. And some of my clients will say, don't worry, I I identify as fat or Mm -hmm. I identify as this, that or the other. And it's really learning the language of our of our client and patient and knowing what we know to to help them move forward in their their nutrition or their physical movement or Mm -hmm. in safe safely. 
I think another big part of that, as you mentioned, is recognizing your bias because we've all got a little bit of that going on. It has to be (laughs) something that's addressed. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. And then something else, we keep talking about how physical therapists clearly have to have a seat at the table, but also with what you're doing and going back to giving lectures at the, the university you went to, we are also giving eating disorders a seat at the table of all around healthcare. It's, it's so under acknowledged and, and we talk about all the time with our guests, we have to change the dietetic curriculum to highlight eating disorders more so, but I've never considered until you just brought up how you talk about it with the students you lecture to, it should be involved in all other areas of healthcare too. We've got to give them that seat at the table. Yes. So powerful. Yes. And I think, I think giving, giving students just having kind of like a base knowledge about it, talking about the different, the different diagnoses of eating disorders and kind of understanding what those are, but also the language around that, like, and and being aware of it and potentially screening for it so that again, you know, if, if I wanted to be like an outpatient orthopedic PT, if that's what I wanted to specialize in, then more than likely I will have some clients that may have an eating disorder, an underlying eating disorder, or a new eating disorder. And if I am aware of the signs and can feel comfortable asking some of those questions, then I, as an outpatient orthopedic PT, would feel empowered to refer that patient to the correct care. And that's ultimately where, you know, the, the lecture that I do kind of stems from, like, I, I want to definitely pave this path for physical therapy within this field, but also to allow for, you know, if, the, if a PT isn't choosing to work solely in eating disorders, they would still be able to provide care for their client or patient if they needed it. And it doesn't have to come from them, but they can kind of reach out and refer. So I think it's, again, giving eating disorders a seat at the table. I love that, Abby. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are going to, we could talk to you. So, I mean, I'm just like (laughs) wishing that we had another hour. And so- We can always have you back. Let's do that. Let's do that. (laughs) So a kind of a a little wrap up question we have for you, and you've mentioned this a few times when we talked about, you know, what, what were these little mistakes that you might have made, but going back to not only just entering the field of physical therapy, but as you got more and more into eating disorder work, what do you wish you would have known then that you do know now? Wow. That's a great question. I don't know. I can't, I can't pinpoint something that I wish I had known, but I wish that I had been more confident and more articulate when I was first starting out in regard to my passion for working within this field. I think that because, because I was kind of the lone ranger for a while that there's like, there's isolation in that. And there's a lot of insecurity in that. And I kind of lived within that for a while in retrospect to that, or in like opposition to that, whenever I worked with my patients, it was very clear to me 
that this was where I needed to be. So again, that's why I say the field of eating disorders chose me. So that, that kind of built that confidence, but I just wish that I had pushed, pushed for physical therapy a little bit earlier in my career and felt more confident in doing so, but I'm there now. So I guess that's good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. you get to be that healer for those patients and also within the field of those who are of us who are just biting at the bit to get to know what you do and how to refer to physical therapists who have invested their time in learning how mm-hmm. to safely and comfortably appropriately treat those with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So great. great. And so I want you to share with us, how can we get a hold of you? Where can listeners find you? So definitely your Instagram handle, cause you've got a great Instagram, but also the, <laughs> the name of the Facebook page you talked about earlier too. Oh, okay. That the Facebook page is actually a, is like a private group and that's oh. for movement and exercise specialists to kind of connect with. I believe my Instagram handle, I'm not super great on social media. So thank you so much for saying that you liked my post. I believe it's Dr. Michelle PT. Let me confirm it for you. Yeah. Yeah. What's your website? My website is movement is medicine. So if you type that in, you might get a couple other hits, but you should see a website where I'm like jumping <laughs> on the on the front of it. But I think it's www.movementismedicine.com. And that's a great way to connect with me. You can access, I have a contact form on there. My Instagram is great. I also have my Facebook page, which is Michelle Logging, L-A-G-I-N-G. And email is a great way to connect. My email is PT at movement-medicine.com. The longest email ever. Uh, Yeah, once it's in there, it's in there. (laughs) I know, (laughs) <laughs> and and I'm glad that you offered email because sometimes people get overwhelmed with emails and it, it can be hard when you're when you're promoting I don't want to say promoting but when you're becoming the teacher and the pioneer in this that you could be inundated but that may be a very welcome thing I know we want to spread the word mm-hmm. yeah yeah I want people to connect with me I want people that are are curious and interested about this I want to share this message. Well, we, we want to share your message too. I mean, let's, let's just shout it off. (laughs) Let's do it. Come to the mountains. We'll shout it at the top of the mountains. I will come to your mountains. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today, Michelle. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's lean on each other and learn from each other so we can grow together as professionals in this field of eating disorders. If you want to connect with me for supervision or membership with monthly content, please find me at bethharrell.com slash professionals.